Good morning, everyone. I'm here with Kurt Bradby. He's the sales manager at Wiseberry Heritage in, uh, on the Central Coast in uh, New South Wales, Australia. How are you, Kurt? Yeah, going well, Thomas. Yourself? Excellent. Just maybe before we start, I, I, can you just introduce yourself a, a little bit? What's your story? Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, as Thomas mentioned, my name's Kurt Bratby. Um, originally um, born in Bankstown. I uh, live on the Central Coast for the majority of my life. Um, 28 now. actually just turned 29. Um, yeah, and uh, been pretty, that's real pretty estate. young, man. It is pretty young, yeah. I've <laughs> been in real estate for nine years now. So, started nine when years. I was 20. Okay. So, what did you do before real estate? Um, I left school actually to become a manager at KFC, funny enough. Um, and I got out of that before real estate and got into carpet sales. Right. So that's when I experienced, I suppose, my first bit of selling. And then uh, I knew um, my principal, Darren Butcher, from when I was about 12 or 13. I used to do his letterbox drops. And um, so I actually wasn't happy where I was at the time. So I actually looked, was looking around for a new career or something um, different. So I jumped online and had a look around and I seen that Darren was um, looking for salespeople. So I um, put my resume to him and he gave me a call the next day and I asked him if he remembered who I was and he said, yeah, I do. He said, it's just been a matter of time. I've been waiting for you to come to me. So, um, okay. yeah. So, so here's an interesting question. Um, do we do things in lives and find that we are uh, unhappy and then therefore we keep on digging until we find that thing that we really want to do? Or some people think, well, really it's a vocation. What do you think? I don't think real estate's a vacation, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, look, I wasn't happy, so I knew there was something more I wanted to do. I had an interest in property. Um, my mother, um, she had a, a big interest for property as well. And I think that kind of transpired over to me. So I knew there's something bigger and better out there for me. And I wanted to obviously get success, had goals that I wanted to achieve. And I wanted, uh, I suppose, to prove a lot of people that um, I could do something that people didn't think I could. Yeah. So. May I ask you, Kurt, now, what do you think it takes to be a great salesperson? Discipline's probably the number one, but I think um, staying humble is probably another um, quality, but also being able just to interact with all, all types of people. I think, um, you know, from CEOs to, you know, people, the everyday blue Australian, um, I think, you know, you just got to know how to interact with everyone, I think makes a good salesperson. So w when you said earlier about staying humble, I mean, I. I actually very rarely see a salesperson or a great salesperson who's hum humble and they, yep. they all think that they uh, hot shots, you know? That's right. And I think they get caught up probably in the, um, you know, the scheme of having to have the best um, cars and suits and things like that. And I think that goes back to um, maybe their association. I think um, I'm quite lucky. I've got friends that um, strive for a lot of things in life in terms of businesses and investments and, and you know, nice cars and things. But then I've got other friends in life that actually strive just to, you know, go away camping for the weekend. So I think I've got the best of both worlds that keeps me, I suppose, grounded and also humbled. Yeah. So w which brings me back to the first thing that you were talking about. Uh, I don't see too many 21-year-old um, being that focused or being that committed to the one thing. Quite often, and I've been recruiting now over the last uh, almost 20 years and I have interviewed personally over 4,000 people. So sometimes I see a 21-year-old with heads on the, their shoulders. Sometimes I see 21-year-old who tell me a lot of great things and then they, it fizzles out. Yep. Sometimes I see 21-year-old who do a lot of talking but there's no action. Yep. What is it that you have uh, to get into a field that's uh, uh, so competitive that's and at the age of 28, you're now a manager of a great team. Yeah. 
I think it's just in a drive. I think sometimes you're born with it. Um, I think sometimes you want to be better than, well, not better than everyone else, but you want to be the best person of yourself, I suppose. So, so what is it that about you that has that inner drive? And what is it about you that wants to be better than anybody else? Yeah, look, I, um, I was born with what some people call as a disability, but to me it's not. So saying that word's obviously a bit hard. Um, but to me, you know, uh, throughout school and, and things like that was quite hard. You know, kids aren't really nice people, yes. <laughs> as you know. So I think that gave me kind of a, a, a desire to, to really prove to people that, you know, it doesn't matter what you've got, where you come from, that you can have whatever you want in life. And I think that was been a big driver in, in the last kind of, you know, 10 plus years. For our audience, um, do you mind sharing your disability? Yeah, so um, I actually was born um, with a defect at birth. From my understanding, it was actually the birth um, cord was wrapped around my hand during pregnancy. Yes. So therefore it couldn't form to a normal hand. So, um, yeah, I've got all movement and I still do a lot of things that most people think that I probably couldn't, but yeah, that's was it, was it from a birth um, defect. Yeah, so for a lot of people that um, growing up, and as you said, you know, children can be real savages, Yeah, uh, a lot of people will close back into our sh their shells. They, they will uh, probably hide from uh, society. Yeah, So correct. what is it that you, where is it that you found that strength to just go forward in the, the opposite direction? I think I was just, just motivated, they just motivated me, you know. Um, I've seen kids around me at similar ages not doing much. I had a good work ethic from, I think, my, my parents. I've seen them kind of struggle through life and I didn't really want to be the same. You know, I don't mind putting in extra time and effort. And I think it just come back to, yeah, a bit of everything. I don't know, I wouldn't say it's luck, but I'd say it's just a, oh, there's two ways in life you can look at things. You can even say, poor me, or you can say, well, this is what I've got given let's move forward and, and work with it. And I think that's what I did. Wow, that's fantastic. So uh, you said three things, right? So we need the discipline, staying humble, and the ability to interact with other people. You're correct, um, yeah. Is there anything else that I need to have if I wish to become a great salesperson? I think you've got to have a good mentor as well. Um, and also, um, you've got to put self-training into yourself. Don't rely on other people, rely on yourself. Can, just, can we just go back? What, what do you define as a mentor? A mentor is someone that's obviously been there, they've done it, um, you know, they've proven it, you know what I mean? Not somebody that's probably just telling you how to do something, but you can see them in the trenches or you can see that the success that they've done mm -hmm. or had. Um, I think that's a mentor, someone that you can call to in your darkest hour and, you know, and be honest with and upfront with and hopefully that, you, know, you can trust them as well. I think that's a, a big part of being a mentor. So I guess Darren Butcher was your mentor. Correct, now, yeah. Um, was there any tough time with your mentor? No, I think he's, um, no, I think there, was, there hasn't been any tough times at all. Like he's been cruel to be kind, but I think that's only helped me. He's a big believer in stretching people as well. So I think where I thought in my head was, okay, I can do this. I've got to kind of my maximum level. He would then again stretch me, I think, which was really good. So no, I don't think there's been any tough times. There's been times where I haven't wanted to do what he's obviously asked of, yep. but I could see the bigger picture too. So, you know, he's quite a positive person and, and he, I know that he wants the best for me. Um, so yeah. I don't think there's been any tough times at all. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, now, after how many years uh, of sales did you get offered that position in um, management? Yep, so it was around three years in sales. So um, I changed, just changed offices uh, from the Charmhaven office to the Heritage office. And I was uh, there for about a year, year and a half underneath Kimberley. Um, and then um, Darren decided that he was gonna open up a Wyong office. And he asked me, to my surprise, to be the manager down there. Um, at the time, I had a partner that was very um, wary of it. She didn't really want me to grow and extend myself. 
but I knew that that was probably going to be the next opportunity I could have. So today you're a manager of a, um, a team of how many salespeople, Kurt? We've got 10 in our team, including myself. Okay, so what would be the highest number of listings on a monthly basis that as a team you guys bring in? Um, around 45. 45, and what about sales? Um, around the same, around 35 to 40. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think that your record was that at one stage in the uh, Wyong Shai, you guys sold uh, 48.6% of all sales in that one year. Yeah, that's correct. You yeah. remember? And 48.6% of the market share in the Wyong Shai, that's not small because I think that year there was about roughly close to 1,500 sales being made. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Right? That's an amazing number. So how do you keep on pushing people to perform at that level day in, day out? I mean, at some stage, don't you have a burnout effect? Yeah, definitely. Um, you do see that from salesperson to salesperson, but I think the, the benefit of having a large team is if you've got one or two people down in that quarter or that month, then usually someone else is up, so it kind of levels itself back out. Right. And that's what I've always seen as a big benefit of having a large team is that if you only got two or three people, then if one's down or two's down, then your whole month's down, um, where if you've got a large team, obviously you, you don't uh, miss it as much. Um, but yeah, you're right, there are people that burn out, and I think you've got to go back to, I suppose, making your, um, your office fun, a, a good work environment's definitely there because um, you spend more time there than usually you do at home um, sometimes. And I think you've just got to um, work out what their actual reason for being there is um, and obviously um, help them with their goals and help them achieve what they want to achieve. Okay, so w which now really leads me to that next question straight away. Um, how do you take someone from mediocrity to greatness? Uh, time and training. Um, what, what, what do you mean by time? Time, it takes time, like, you know, Oh, it takes time for them to get good so you can afford to just wait. But what about Darren? What if he says, <laughs> I can't afford to pay him to and, and, and wait for him to get good? Yeah. Well, then you put time, invest time in them. Yeah. So, and also, I suppose you mentor them, you train them, you know, you, you pretty much put, have to put all your focus into them to get them up and running. And also you help them. So just small things, you know, going out with presentations with them to help them, them coming out with you, seeing how you do things, you know, helping them out with, you know, if, giving them some open homes or some buyers to work or not being greedy, I suppose, um, and actually trying to help them get a bit of a role on straight away. Okay, so uh, do you ever give up on someone? No, you try not to. But okay. if someone's given up on themselves, it's quite hard for you to keep going and believing that they can do it. I'm a big believer in, you know, it's probably 80% them, 20% you, you know. Um, right. So, yeah, sometimes you, you unfortunately do have to give up. So do you give up or is it Darren... Uh who gives up first? Uh, interesting question. I um, I probably give up first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've known Darren for a few years now. He seems to see goodness where there's not even a drop of it now. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's good. So, tell me, what was it? Uh, what was tougher, starting as a salesman or starting as a sales manager? I think starting as a salesperson was tougher. Yeah. I think by the time I got the promotion opportunity to be a sales manager, I kind of had picked up a lot of um, skill and I suppose training from people around me. So I think that yeah, starting as a salesperson was definitely probably a lot harder. New people, new industry, um, you know, it was quite, I suppose, uh, frightening to begin with. Okay. Do you think managers are born or are they made? I think they're born. Yeah. I think that you can definitely tell someone that's a leader, um, apart to a follower when you meet someone? 
let's let's distinguish leaders and managers though, right? Yeah. Um, to me, a manager has to be able to look after the system and get manpower to really work around the system to uh, highest efficiency. Yeah. Where leaders probably it's about to the ability to develop the people within the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So as a manager, I always say that you're the uh, the meat between what is it? Yeah, the sandwich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And between the, the the salespeople and the leader. That's right. If 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 salespeople are unhappy, they go to you. Correct. If the ma- if the leader is unhappy, they also go to you. So yeah. you you almost pulled on both sides. Yeah. So really, are managers really born? Yeah, I, I do believe so. Yeah, because there's a lot of times there where your leader might not be around, and you you're fulfilling that job role as well. Right. Um, so day-to-day basis, you're pretty much with your team. Um, so they're looking for you for how to get the next sale or result or, and, and things like that. So I think that, yeah, you, I think you are born as a leader. And I think, you know, within the first kind of meeting of someone, you can tell whether they are a leader or, you know, uh, happy just to follow along. But I have seen leaders who are bad managers. Yeah. <laughs> and I have seen managers who are bad leaders. Just as much as I've also seen like salespeople who can't manage. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So there is a distinction between the two, but you think that both leaders and managers are born. Correct. You, you can't make a manager. Well, some leaders might not be um, proper leaders. They might be in a position where they're a great salesperson, which yeah. means that they've been able to open up their own office to become a leader. Yeah. Um, but there's probably some sales managers that aren't in that position or don't want to be in that position, but are happy to be a leader like or a manager, I suppose. So I think... Um, at the end of it, it's just depending on the individual person. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, definitely born, I believe. Okay. Do you, do you have uh, any disagreement with your leader? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have um, we have some heavy discussions. Yeah, definitely. I think it's good. I don't think you should be a manager if you don't. Yes. Yeah. So, can you just explain how that process goes and 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 who wins in the end? Yeah. So usually, um, you know, it can be a range of things. It can be from recruitment or targets to set for the month or, you know, um, competitions or things like that. But I think, you know, usually Darren, the leader, he would actually um, come to us with an idea or, um, and he's really good because he usually runs it past us. Um, and then we give him our thoughts. And sometimes he doesn't agree with what we say back, but he um, he's usually one to say no straight away. But then within 24 to 48 hours, he'll think about it and he'll come back to it which is good from a leader's point of view because I think um, you need to be thinking about what's said. But yeah, look, we have run-ins, um, but at the end of the day, I think he appreciates the honesty and I appreciate the honesty back. And I think that's why we have a good relationship is because there's no stepping around my feelings and no stepping around his feelings. We're two mature blokes that can, you know, have a bit of a, an argument and, and get along. But what happens in the case when you're totally convinced of your position and he's... <laughs> The two bulls in the ring. His, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do we do then? I mean, do we have two teams? Yeah. Well, no, we don't. At the end of the day, it's his decision that counts. So if he's that firm on it and his outlook is different to mine and he believes his outlook is the best, then I've got to respect that. It's you know his business. He's got himself to that position. So he obviously, he's got a lot more experience than what I do. Right. Um, so I would respect whatever he decides. So what would you tell people who uh, are working under a manager or a leader who is unfair? Uh, <laughs> I'd probably say stand up for yourself a little bit, yeah. Okay, but then to go back to what you just said, the leader is always right. So you yeah. you well, have to stick behind his decision. Do you? I do, yeah. Yeah, I do. Because 
your job as the manager is to actually back your leader up. There's no question of that. So although sometimes you might disagree and you put your case forward, doesn't mean you're always right. Okay. So, so you, you would never disagree with your leader in public? Correct. Yeah. Now that's a big no. Unless it's for something cultural or something that I think you know, needs to be addressed in public or then and there, um, then I would. Um, because I think it's good for the team to see that you're not just a, a yes man to your leader. Right. You know, you're so, actually on their side as well to, to right. some degree. Right. So by cultural, you mean the set of values, the display of values in our Correct. behavior. That's yeah. cultural. Yeah, that's I right. understand that. So let's take a step further. Your leader has made a bad decision and he's standing firm on it. Yeah. How would you convince him to see the other way around? <laughs> it's a bit of a hard one. <laughs> he's, uh, he's pretty hard to convince. But then again, I think facts, he's very much facts orientated. So, um, you know, and sometimes time. So I would, you know, wait maybe a day or two and then recess and, and go sit with him or um, bring him some facts of, of why I think his decision is not correct. And he's pretty good in that way in terms he will listen. But to be honest, there isn't too many times that I don't disagree. You know, we have um, different views, but he uh, usually c convinces me <laughs> around. So, Well, a lot of people may say, hold on, he, he's talking very much like a yes man. Yeah. Are you a yes man? No, I don't believe I am. Okay. Yeah. Now, one, one of the biggest things that I n have noticed in you are two things. One is when I first trained you, I, I remember there was a bit of an angry young, young man, yeah. right? And over the past few years, I've, I have not seen him anymore. So what, what's happened? Where, where's that angry young man? Yeah, um, it's funny because I never actually seen that in myself as a young man, but I do remember our conversation and, you know, after my first recruitment training. And yeah, you're probably right. There was probably anger there. Being at you know, 19, 20, I didn't really realize myself. But looking back, there was probably some anger from childhood, from you know, um, bullies and things like that. That yes. was probably what was there. So I was probably angry, but I think I've turned that anger into motivation. I think that was the changing point. And then I've turned that into setting goals and, and getting um, the goals that I want. And that's turned me into, I suppose, I suppose a better person, but a happier person. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking that maybe you, you, you found uh, wisdom in maybe in a loved one around you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, a good partner does help, definitely. Yeah. So uh, there's another thing that a lot of people would like to know, and, and I want to ask you questions now more about, and, and, and that is balance. In, in, in the life of a real estate salesperson, there seems to be no balance or hardly any. A lot of people either decide to give themselves fully to the job and then therefore they seem to lose a lot in their private yeah. life. A lot of people are giving into their private life so they end up leaving the industry. Yeah. Now, your leader has complained to me about the fact that you know, you're know too much onto balance. And I said, <laughs> but hold on, he, balance is the key. The balance yeah. is about longevity. You know, this is why people keep on going for years because they have balanced every other aspect of their life. So yeah. Do you want to talk to us a bit about your balance, how you found it? Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously with success comes freedom. And um, so sometimes you get into a position where you can take time off and, and obviously spend time with family or friends. And I'm happiest when I'm with my friends or I'm happiest with when I'm with my partner. So I think if you're at work, you're working. And I think a lot of people fall into the trap of, yeah, but I'm there seven to six. Um, you know, every day or five days a week or four days a week. But what are you doing in those seven to six hours is the most important. 
if you can get done what you're doing seven to six in nine to five or ten to four, then do it. So when you're there, work, and when you're not there, then relax is my motto. So I do get in the office from seven o'clock usually to around five to six, depending what appointments I have. But come the weekends, I try and make, um, you know, I suppose family time or my time. I think you've got to have good hobbies or interests, you know. Real estate is an interest of mine, but after five, you know, ten hour days, sometimes you do get over it. So I think the balance is that set yourself goals that you want to achieve in terms of, you know, exchange dollars or money that you want to save and then reward yourself, you know, because it is very important. There's nothing, nothing more satisfaction than rewarding yourself with a trip to Europe for four or six weeks, you know, or um, I like to have little goals too. So it might be this week I'm going to Bathurst. I've never been, but it's been a bucket list goal of mine. So yes. it might not be something big or expensive, but it's something where I go, well, I've worked hard. I can take four days off this week and then I can and go and enjoy it. That one might be, a, you know, a, a band or a weekend away or, you know, something small. It doesn't have to be a new car or a new house or something like that. So my balance, I think, has come from working hard while I was at work and putting in the hours and doing what I'm there and then obviously taking my time off when I'm not there. But it hasn't been always balanced over the last eight years, right? So there, there, there's been real hard work for, uh, what is it, three, four years, and, 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 and then is it when you started to find balance, or did, was it from day one? Probably the first three or four years is definitely hard work, yeah. Right. It's probably, you're not really in a position where you can take time off, depending where you are financially, but yeah, it was three or four years of hard work, and then after then, you know, you, you start seeing, I suppose, the rewards of your hard work, so then you can start taking a bit of time off. So okay. you, I think you've got to be prepared. It's, I always look at it like an apprenticeship, you know, your first four years as an apprenticeship is in any trade, so I think it's no different to real estate. Right. I see a lot of leaders, even managers, who don't seem to really find that balance. It's, it's an all or nothing. They, yeah. they either switched on or they're totally off. Yeah. Is balance something you deserve or something you set up before you even start as a, as a manager? No, I think it's something you deserve. Yeah, definitely. So you have to earn it? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so at what point in time do you know that you've earned the right to balance? I think if you can get your team to be, I suppose, uh, a team for so long, I think that's one of our big benefits. Our team has been the same people for so long. I think if you can get that for a number of years where it's the same team members, I think that's um, probably a, a good reward. Okay, so that's good. good. So that's good. So first, it's to build a stable team, yep. that, right? But so how, how many years is there? Is there a measure? Oh, there isn't. Um, but I would say any, you know, probably three to four would be a measure measure of um, success. Usually, you know, if they're going to leave in the first twelve months. So if you've got a team that's all been together for three or four years, you know, you're doing a good thing. Okay. I think um, results as well. Um, but also getting your, your team up to a level where they might not need you to a day-to-day -day basis, so then somebody else in the team can step up and, and take over from that from your position while you're away, right, where right. you've got that balance, or where you're finding that balance. Yeah, so you've gone a little bit fast. So when you said result, does it mean they have to return a consistent level of results before you even entertain balance? I think so, yeah. I think there's got to be a, a certain... You know, you can't walk out on a team if they're not producing what they need to. Um, if they're not making their targets or they're not making their commission or if the office isn't making their goals, then I don't think you really are entitled to walk out as a manager. Okay. I don't think you've done your job. Okay, so let's let's go through those three points. One is the stability of the team. The other one is a consistent uh, result. Yeah. And the third thing is that when you are no longer that needed or required uh, on a day-to-day basis, Yep. That's when you believe balance is something that you Correct. have earned the right to get. Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
What if one of those three happens to stumble now? Is that when you have to give up your balance? Yeah, I think um, with market conditions too, things change. So, you know, last four years, obviously, it's been great because it's probably been a lot easier and you've, you've been more guiding your, your team of where they need to go. And in recent times, things have changed. So I think you've got to look at where you're at on a day-to-day basis, first and foremost, and work out, a, I suppose, a plan of attack if things aren't going right. Right. Now, to um, finish this interview here, Kurt, what will be the five tips that you, you would want to share with people? Uh, five tips on what they need to be doing to be handpicked as a sales manager. So I'm a salesperson. Yep. What are the five things that you think I need to be doing now so that my leader notices me mm-hmm. and chooses me as his next manager? Yep. I think you've got to be a, um, a top performer, but you've also got to be a fair performer. I think... Um, what is fair? Well, generous. I don't think you've got to be a generous salesperson. I don't think you can be a greedy salesperson to be a, a good sales manager. I think you've got to be fair to everyone in your team and that probably goes into a team player. So, it, it, hold on, is that your second point or is it still part of your first point? Still part of the first point, okay. I'd say. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay, that's good. Yeah. All right, so what will be your second tip? I think um, someone that's generous. I think in a good sales team, you can spot out a good salesperson by going to the pub. Um, someone that's willing to give to the team or you know, shout a beer or first one to get up to, to buy a beer or, or whatnot tells a lot about a person. I think um, also tells a lot about a salesperson. Right. So does that mean that the lunch after this, you're going to be the one <laughs> stepping up first to of pay course. for it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what's your third one? Third one is um, I think you've got to be a, a good leader and, and show the, the rest of the sales team that you're prepared to do something that they're not, which might be um, following the instructions of the manager or leader at the time that you necessarily don't agree with but are happy to do so. Wow. Okay. Then? I think uh, the next one would be um, you have the ability to, to manage any personality type um, or age or sex. You know, I, I find that sometimes good managers can only manage the same sex or the similar age to them. So working on managing everyone, I think, is, is, a, is a good, um, or even uh, knowing how to get along with everyone in your office as a salesperson to step up as a manager. But that's something that not everyone's born with, right? So Correct. that's something that you've been learning over the years from the conferences or the, the books you've been reading, right? That's correct, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it is, it, I have struggled with it. I had went from a all boys office to into an actual pretty much majority um, female office. Yeah. Um, at, the, at the start, I did struggle with it a little bit because going from a boys club to a, you know, a, a mixed office was a bit hard. In, in what way? What was the hardest? Just, you know, with, with uh, males, you can probably be a little bit more direct, I, I feel, because you are a bloke, you know, you can usually um, be a little bit more direct with another bloke, but females obviously a little bit wide, a bit differently, so. So did you have problems in the beginning? Did they cry and did they complain um, about you bullying or whatever? No, no, never bullied. I grew up with two sisters, so I was lucky <laughs> enough to have a bit of experience, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, there was, um, you know, there's, Every female is a bit different in terms of um, managing, but yep. I think overall it was a good learning curve for me, definitely. Right. And what's your last tip? Um, you've got to be the hardest worker in the room. All right. This, this is a tough one, right? What does that mean? Does it mean you start first? Does it mean you leave last? Or does it mean you're more focused and intense when you're doing it? I mean, a minute ago we talked about balance. So if it's balance, you probably won't be the last all the time in the office. So, so what is yep. it? It's a mixture of a lot of things, but yeah, being first in the office is always you know, a, a good sign that obviously you're keen to be there and you're enjoying it. But as I mentioned before, 
while you're there doing what you, you're meant to be doing. And I think, yeah, it's important to lead from the front if you're going to be a manager. So if you can't lead from the front as a salesperson or as a person, then, you know, you might not be ready to be a manager. Okay. So right now, you, your team is about to enter Christmas. We're about two months away from Christmas. Yeah. What are you going to do with this team? It's a good question. <laughs> We're, uh, we're having a really good month at the moment. Things are re going really well. Um, yep. We've gone back to some of the basics that we needed to go to. But well, I think... Uh, well, hold on. What, what's the basics? Well, basics of block out times, prospecting calls, you know, um, certain number of um, appointments need to be done per day. Um, I suppose going back to the system, um, because obviously things are, have changed in the last kind of, you know, 12 to 8 months. But moving forward, I think we're going to have probably a little bit more fun um, heading into the Christmas break with warmer weather. Um, we've got a challenge on at the moment, a weekly challenge, that if we hit a certain amount of exchanges, then we have drinks at four o'clock on a Thursday. So right. that's today, so that'll be good. And that obviously uh, gets people um, refreshed and, and motivated to, to keep going. And I think we're gonna probably, um, yeah, not take the foot off the pedal until you know the 23rd or 24th of um, December. Right, so You've planned already, so is, is it going to be just listing, listing, listings until December, or is it still a balance of uh, listing, sales, and managing our listings? Yeah, yeah, still a major balance, yeah. Just because you get listing doesn't mean you're going to get the sales, in my opinion. You know, you could list uh, a lot of overpriced listings and then be wondering where the sales are the next month. And definitely the four quadrants are very important, especially heading into the Christmas period when a lot of other agents will take their foot off the pedal. And it's a great time because you can really set up your year for 2020 in the last kind of three weeks of December. That's one thing I've noticed about your team. It, many offices, they think that, you know, um, December or and, and January are two very slow months. You guys keep on smashing records in those months. What is it that you do? I mean, obviously as a manager, you must have done something for that to happen at that period of time. And you're probably doing it now. Hence my question again, what is it that you're doing now to make sure that those two months are really great months? I think the team will look at what you're doing. Like if you're talking about holidays and what you're going to do over Christmas time and things like that, then they're obviously going to be thinking the same thing. If you're thinking that it's work, work, work until the 23rd of December, then it's a big, uh, I suppose, indication. Right. Um, but I think it's also just telling them, like, you know, there are other teams that are going to be you know, not thinking about results in December, this is the time to shine. And I think goals goes back to there as well. Make sure that you reset their goals back because a lot of them will be thinking around Christmas time, but then they'll be thinking, okay, New Year, and everyone knows New Year, you usually have New Year's um, resolutions. So I think a goals is a big one. And if you can get a, a month start on the comp competition, then obviously it's, it's handy. Yeah, you've mentioned goals a few times now, so I might as well just ask you. So how often do you set goals with your people and can you be personal with their goals? We can, um, but some salespeople won't let you be personal with their goals. Whether you don't have a good enough relationship with them or whether they are embarrassed by them, I'm not sure. But realistically, I think you know monthly or at least quarterly should be sitting down and, and talking about their goals or resetting their goals with them. Wow. So, especially after they've uh, um, you know, achieved a big goal of theirs. Yeah, do you find that some people actually are not goal-driven? Yeah, yeah, definitely. How do you drive those people? I think they think they're not goal-driven, but Everyone has wants in their life that they want. So everyone wants a new car or, you know, fancy suit or something like that. So although they might not think they're goal driven, they are. They do want things. And I think you've just got to show them by putting things in place that they can get those small things they want and they might not call them goals, but we do. Yeah. Um, 
then yeah, I think that that helps them and also helps yourself. Yeah, I get that. So, so what you're saying is that some people don't want to go for goals because they have uh, probably never reached many of those goals, but they all have ones. Yeah. So those ones, they actually do get them, right? So, yeah. so what you're talking about is not about just goal-driven, but want-driven, right? Correct. Yeah, want-driven, yeah, definitely. Okay. May I really thank you so much for your time today. I, I think um, if, if anyone out there could take just five minutes, give you a call and ask you maybe uh, one advice about what they're doing, I think that their career could really uh, change for the better. Uh, thank you so much for today, Kurt. No worries. Thank you. Thank you.